You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Mia Friedman. I'm Jessie Stevens. I'm Holly Wainwright. And before we start, I think we've got to acknowledge our Outlouders in Perth. Oh, yeah. They are bloody having a rough time. We got to come and see the Outlouders in Perth. Oh, oh. and it wasn't last year. It was the year, it was before, year before when we were allowed to travel. Loved Perth. And they are being ravaged by bushfires. Hundreds of houses have been destroyed and... It's really sad. It's really, I remember last summer. And they're in lockdown. So. And they're in lockdown. And our thoughts are, are with you. That must just be shit. There is, some, I've seen some photos of the sky turning that awful colour. And we are thinking of you. Hopefully we can be a little bit of escapism today. And on the show, we are bringing back the woman I like to refer to as our dating expert, M. Vernon, to tell us about something she's suffering from that you might be too. Dating Vernon. Also, our best and worst of the week, and Mia is throwing down that no one can beat hers. But first... French men are flirts. Just act normal when you see him. But I'm not this person. I'm the girl who shows up, not the girl who makes bad decisions. You don't come to Paris to be good. Sexy. Oh, would you stop? Yesterday, the Golden Globes nominations were released and it was a firm no from everyone in the whole (laughs) world. I don't care about awards or nominations, but this has really stirred up some anger. I saw one tweet that was like, what is the current administration going to do about the Golden Globes? And that is the level of anger. So Emily in Paris. Biden needs to put that on his list. Number one before COVID. Emily in Paris was nominated for Best Comedy TV Series. I didn't watch Emily in Paris, didn't realise it was a comedy. I don't think it was meant to be. I don't think it was meant to be, but a lot of people did laugh at it, so I guess that's why it is there. And the general response seems to be that it is not Golden Globes worthy. Another TV show, which I haven't watched but is top of my list for this weekend, I May Destroy You, was snubbed entirely, and that is a dark comedy drama about a young woman who's trying to piece together what happened on her night out after she realised that she was drugged and raped and it was the most critically acclaimed television show of the year and that didn't get one nomination. Lily Collins, who played Emily, was also nominated for Best Actress in a musical or comedy TV show. And the other backlash has come from James Corden's nomination for Best Actor in Musical or Comedy for his role in The Prom, where he played a gay character. Corden is not himself gay, which attracted some criticism. My personal favourite tweet in response to all of this was, the next time you're overcome by imposter syndrome, just take a deep breath and remember that Emily in Paris got nominated for a Golden Globe, (laughs) which I think is very true. If Emily in Paris can win that, then we can do anything. And it's what we all know to be true, which is that awards are bullshit except the ones you win. The ones that you win are fair and important Mm -hmm. and worth paying attention Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. But one piece of commentary that's emerged has come from a woman named Danny Fernandez who wrote, I'm begging you all to stop hate binging shows. It does affect the rest of us and it affects the notes we get from studios. I'm not even kidding. And by notes she means when you are um, in the process of developing a show and you've got to submit your scripts to the network or the producer, whoever it is, you get notes back. So you get feedback. And I guess what – I'd never thought of this, but I guess what she's referring to is that they're like – 
this Could works. Could you just make her mm. a bit more like Emily? Yeah. Maybe put set it in Paris. Yeah, maybe yeah. everyone wears high heels no matter what they're doing at exactly. all times. Because women love that. That was really popular. Yeah. So according to Fernandez and our pop culture editor at Mamma Mia, Karen Donnelly, who wrote a brilliant piece on this, this Golden Globe nomination is entirely our fault. More specifically, Mia, I think it's your fault because yeah. you yeah. hate binged Emily in Paris. I blame you personally. Mm. Do you regret mm. Your actions. Is there anything you want to say to the people about your decision? Look, I needed it. Okay. I didn't mean to watch all of them. But <laughs> what I think is really important to note about the Golden Globes, which a lot of people probably don't realise, is that it's not like the Oscars or the Emmys or the SAG Awards. It's not voted by a group of your peers. It's actually the opposite. It's voted by the media. So the Golden Globes are voted by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which means non-American journalists from publications like, you know, Brazilian Woman's Day or Italian New Idea or the Entertainment Reporter on Sunrise in Australia. They're all members of the Foreign Press Association. To report in Hollywood, that's what you have to be. So it's a bit more like the Logies, you know, where it's mm, just like a popularity yeah, contest. Yeah, it's a popularity contest or the people who the journalists like rather than excellence in your field voted by your peers. So I think that that's kind of It important. is because I always see awards like Emily in Paris. I don't think it should be dismissed because it's. I can't imagine it's easy to make a binge-worthy Netflix show. Everyone watched that show. It was what the world needed when it came out. But it got its acclaim through how many people watched it and being number one on Netflix. Awards, this is the same with books, with movies, with art, Mm. are often a different thing. It's like not the most popular thing, but the thing that perhaps you missed but was outstanding and was Mm. clever and challenged the boundaries, that's normally what's recognised with awards. Well, yes, except no. So the thing is, is that awards ceremonies have been struggling for relevance for a while now, even before pandemic hit and, you know, took away all the fun of the dress-ups because remote award ceremonies are even worse than the ones that you have to watch in real life because people are either at home in their pyjamas or if they get dressed up, then they get mocked for getting dressed up. So you can't really win that. But even before that, There was a lot of pushback about the fact that Oscars, for example, would only nom like really worthy movies and the ones that everybody actually went Mm. to see never got any acclaim. So I think you'll probably remember a while ago they tried introducing like a most popular or something category and then everybody got upset about Mm. that. So then they started trying to broaden the way that they nominate things. And one of the reasons that they do that is because they want coverage. The people who turn up to the Golden Globes or your Zoom ceremony of the Golden Globes are the people who are nominated or are involved in the projects that are nominated. And if you only have worthy, highbrow, intellectual things, then you're not going to get any star power. If you nominate Emily in Paris, then Lily Collins is going to turn up wearing a parrot on her head or whatever mm. is, is the thing a beret, that she needs likely. to do. Yeah. A beret, yeah. yeah. And so You have to remember there is politics involved, even though it is, as you say, Mia, nominated by the Hollywood Foreign Press. There's a certain amount of influence that an organisation has, like the Academy. And it's really interesting because I just think that I find it hard to get upset about this Golden Globes because 
I love award ceremonies, the movie ones, because I love the ceremony of it. I love them all turning up and I love the gossip. It was a year ago that Brad and Jen had that like frisson backstage. Yeah. When the you Golden could touch Globes hands. Or the I can't believe that was a year ago. The other great thing about the Golden Globes is that it's movies and TV. Yes. So it's double whammy. Double whammy. The good bang for your celebrity red carpet buck. It was always better. When I worked in Gossip Mags, it was always actually a better seller because you'd get all yeah. the, you know, whether it was Sex in the City or whatever it was, you'd get all those stars going to that, always Jennifer Aniston, all those people whereas they're not going to go to the Oscars unless they're nommed so we're not going to get a Brad and Jen frizz on this year because he'll be watching it at home in Los Feliz and she'll be in Malibu and they won't be able to hold hands behind the scenes so unless, I don't unless they're together as was suggested this the, week look, the good no, news though is that it's being hosted by my two favorites Tina Fey and Amy Poehler oh. they're hosting from one's going to be in LA one's going to be in New York and they will no doubt take the piss oh completely. yeah yeah they will I would watch that. Golden Globe goes to... Emily Vernon has dating burnout. <laughs> you might remember M, as we call her, from her stints filling in for us while we were off gallivanting around the place in December and also as one of the co-hosts of The Undone, which is Mamma Mia's podcast all about 20-something life. Now, M, you know I always like to introduce you as our dating expert. Yes. Yes, because you are, obviously, doing a lot <laughs> of dating at the moment. And you wrote a story this week from Mamma Mia where I believe you coined a new term, at least it was new to me, which is dating burnout. Now, what is dating burnout and why have you got it? Okay, so dating burnout is basically when you've been dating for a while, you maybe have dated one person for a while, and then it obviously doesn't work out because it never does. Have you been dumped? I've been dumped. I got dumped on the 31st of January, and I'm going to remember that date for the rest of my life (laughs) because I've only had one boyfriend in my life when I was 16, and he dumped me on the exact same day. (laughs) Are you serious? Nine years ago. No. Exactly two weeks before Valentine's Day. Um, How are you feeling? Because every day is getting closer to Valentine's Day. Yes. How are you feeling in the wake of... That is a very recent breakup. Why How are you feeling? Why did you dump you? I'm just going to segue into a no-filter interview. What do you remember of that day? Why did <laughs> he dump you, Em? It was just getting... Feelings were getting involved and... Isn't that the point of being in a relationship? Oh, not when you're a man in your 20s. Yeah, but apparently, I don't know. I don't really talk about my feelings at all. So it just kind of... Maybe he thought you didn't have any. Maybe probably. he wanted to protect himself by dumping you preemptively. Anyway, <laughs> anyway dumping aside, right? That's so rude. You've heard that? <laughs> yeah, Mira is rude. Like Welcome to holding back my tears. Poor Em. Dumping aside, you have been doing a lot of dating. And I mean that like literally you once went on five dates in a week. So you've been doing that for a while now. You've been like really putting yourself out. Everyone says put yourself out there. Mm. And you've been putting yourself out there. And as this has resulted in burnout, what are the symptoms? Symptoms are you don't want to ever get out of bed. It's pretty much going through a breakup, except that it's not socially acceptable to go through the same emotions that you would if you were in, say, like, an established relationship that everyone knew about. You don't want to get out of bed. You just don't want to talk to any man ever for the rest of your life. You were saying as well in now the I article. Feel like a mean bitch. You are a mean bitch. <laughs> you are. Um, I only said that because I thought we were joking about it in the kitchen a couple of days ago when you said you got dumped and you didn't seem that sad. So I thought we could joke about it. Now I feel it's really okay, Mia. I think I'm still in shock. I haven't had any tears, which is surprising for me because I cry a lot. 
And I'm scared it's just going to happen randomly. Yeah, when you're like at the doctor or something. You were saying in the article that another symptom of dating burnout is that the butterflies go. And so let's say you've got a date lined up or whatever. You kind of just feel so apathetic towards dating because you think Mm. it's never going to work. It's just going to be the same thing over and over again. Is that how you're feeling at the moment, that it's hard to get excited? Yeah, it feels like a chore. So even Mm. on dating apps, I'm just scrolling like left, left, left. Swiping left. What does that mean? Meaning that I'm not interested, but I'm actually forgetting that they are a person and you forget that there's a person behind the app and you're just kind of mindlessly scrolling to, through scrolling these people. Scrolling through people. Yeah. Writing is them this, off. Is this why people, because many of my single friends who are on apps, they go through, they're on the apps, on the apps, on the apps, and they're like, apps are dead to me, apps are dead to me, apps are dead to me. And then they're on the apps again. So is that part of the burnout cycle? Yeah. And I also think there's a pressure from society, especially and friends where you feel like you just constantly have to get back out there because the minute you get dumped when you're not in a serious relationship, people just ask, so when are you going back on the apps? And then it just becomes a source of entertainment for your friends. Is it single people that ask you that or annoying couples that want to live vicariously? It's only ever annoying couples. Exactly. Because I was the only source of entertainment because people in relationships have nothing else going on for them. So. <laughs> That's true. I have one question. When I read your piece, which is very good, but when I read your piece, the only thing that was in my head is why don't you just stop? Why don't you just stop dating? You don't have to. You're only young. There's plenty of time. Why don't you just stop? That's very true. I think it's because once I am dating, I do enjoy it. I do find it fun. And it's just like this little hurdle I have to get over to go back to the fun place. I have a girlfriend who is my age. She's got a couple of kids. So she's in a very different life stage. And she is also feeling exactly what you say, just incredibly deflated, more just by the disappointment of thinking, because you have to, like it takes energy, right? Mm. Could this be? Could this be? You get to know each other, whatever. And then it's like, no. I reckon it is one of the biggest self-esteem ruiners when I was dating, I I remember telling someone I would go on a date and I'd get excited and then I would tell a friend and I'd say, I'm really excited. I went on this date with Jack and it was really good and blah, blah, blah. And then they get excited because they're couples with nothing else going on. And then Jack would ghost me and I'd be like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, hopefully she forgot and she wasn't really thinking about that conversation. And then two weeks later they're like, hey, how's Jack? Did you see him again? And I remember once just being like, I'm not, like, I wasn't really that interested in him anyway. Like, I just kind of cut it off, which was a lie. I got completely rejected. And you don't recover because you don't feel as though there's enough space for you to, or, like, culturally people are sort of like, oh, get over it, he didn't message you back. But it's really hurtful because you just got completely rejected by someone on the basis of, I don't know, you feel like it's how you look, how you came across. You feel like all your coupled friends are looking at you going, What's wrong with you that someone can't go on a second date with you? That's how it feels. And then you're like, well, I better get back out there. And then it happens again and again. It would just repetitively happen. I was like, I must, when am I meant to build my self-esteem up you, again? Are you feeling better now, Em? No. <laughs> Without telling you, like talking, you know, this is good, right? But, this is like a pep talk. But yeah, my, I have a theory that with Jesse, and I bet this is true of you too, is that you selectively forget all the people that you didn't want to have a second date oh, with. Oh, absolutely. Like, and I reckon this is the same for you, Em. It's like women do a lot of rejecting too. Like we always talk about this as if women are just sitting around being rejected, rejected, rejected. But think about all the guys that you either did or didn't actually get to meet and, realize, and went, oh, no, oh, no. And then you didn't call them back. It's one of it's the most ruthless 
you just become this ruthless human. And this is what M I think was getting at is that you're feeling ruthless on Tinder, but then you're on the receiving end of that ruthlessness. People are awful to each other when they're dating. Have M, you found yeah, that? So are true. we couples planning dating? Huh? Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm just kind of listening. You're also like Gen Z explaining as well. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, like, but I, I feel like that doesn't count because my feelings aren't hurt. So when I do it, it's okay. <laughs> yes, I agree. I think that the only thing that matters is you and your feelings. Yes. So what is the plan, M? Because you've experienced burnout. What does the next month look like? I think the next month kind of just looks like everyone leaving me alone and not ever asking me about my dating life. Does that include us? It does include you guys. <laughs> Until I go on a really bad date where I say I'm ready to talk about this bad date because it's a funny story and I feel like I'm not providing you guys with entertainment, which I know your lives need. <laughs> so when I see you in the kitchen, I say, how are you, Em? But there has to be an understanding between us that I am not asking you for an amusing dating story. Yes. Uh, yeah. And neither your partner, Holly, because I know he... <laughs> he wants to know. He wants to know as well. He did once bump into Em on a date in the movies <laughs> and introduce himself. Yeah. Poor Em. Same guy as well. She's like, these old, all these old people <laughs> harassing me all the time. Em, what helps? Just hanging out with your friends. Hanging out with your friends who are single, friends who are in couples who can get away from their partner for a bit. I know it's hard for you guys. Just kind of focusing on yourself and kind of what you want as well. And... I also think that you always do take something away from the people you date, whether it's something bad, if they're a problematic person and you can warn your other single friends about or whether it's a friend or whether you've learned something about yourself. I always try to see those kind of things. Thank you, Em. Thank you so much for coming on. I promise I won't introduce you as a dating expert until you give me a big green light. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's the best. It was so great. I loved it. Oh my God, that's the worst. Sucked. I like talking about bad things. It's time for best and worst and you two may as well go home because oh. I have had both the best and the worst of the week and there is daylight coming in second. <laughs> so um, they happened within the space of a few hours on Wednesday. Gladys Berejiklian, the Premier of New South Wales, came into Mamma Mia. Uh, we've had a, an interview um, for No Filter organised a number of times and she's had to cancel because of various things like a pandemic, an outbreak. Solving the COVID. Her sex life being front page news. Yep. There are some out louders who might give no cares about this. I've been having some funny, I don't know if you guys have found this, I've been having some funny arguments with some of my friends in other states about our premieres. We just trash talk each other's premieres because yes. we love ours. I think everyone's become quite like in love with their premieres through this. I mean, most people. Anyway, so Gladys came in. It was great. She had a photo with everyone. Everyone was excited to meet her. You two weren't here. Don't remember where you were. She didn't ask about you. <laughs> she said that so people offended. who work here are cool and Holly and I were like, yeah. lucky we weren't here. She came in and she goes, girl power. Oh, She's very, my God. Hey, I love you. She's really was that, cute. To set the scene for your worst, Mia, was that one of those afternoons where you're just like, I'm killing it, life's going really well, what could go wrong? Yeah. Then you went home. I Like I put on a nice shirt as you yes. um, Did you two become noticed. pals? Yeah, we had a good connection. So it's no filter. It's dropping on Monday. Here's a little sneak peek. It was a nightmare because a lot of things that were said or asserted weren't even true, but you just have to deal with what is thrown at you. And for me, the most important thing was not losing focus of what I had to do every day. So, But how can't you? Like you seem to be such a private person anyway. Yeah. And all that stuff was out there. You were being asked the most outrageously personal yeah. questions. 
Like I would have wanted to hide under a table. Yeah. But you fronted, like what was your decision-making process? I'm going to just front up? No, my decision-making process is, um, you know, I made a commitment to get up every day and work for the people of the state and nothing was going to get in the way of that. And then I went home and the toilet was blocked. So I was like, oh, well, that's a shame. We're lucky enough to have more than one bathroom in our house. So I'm like, oh, we'll get the plumber to come tomorrow. And then we tried to turn on the tap as we were making dinner and the sink started to fill up with water. So Jason's like, uh-oh, calls the plumber, mate, can you come over? It's, and then we worked out that every sink and every, like the whole plumbing system was blocked in our whole house. It's, it's a poltergeist. Yeah. And so then the plumber's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just finishing dinner. I'm coming over. It's good that he'd already had dinner. So anyway, within an hour, I had raw sewage running through my house. Oh, no. You know that movie, A River Runs Through It? <laughs> a River Runs Poo It. It was, I won't go into a lot of details, but I was not a hero in this scenario. What did you I do? really imagined you to be a yeah. hero. I was not. A, a bucket, hero. Yes. Uh, one of those stopper things, a plunger, yeah. a mop. No. no. Jace and the plumber did most of it. The kids got involved. I was upstairs. Heaving? Pretty much. Just Googling raw sewage cleanup. <laughs> And I, th- and I pretending believe pretending to be helpful in that way. Texting us, I think, was what you were, were doing. You I were did. like, I texted oh, you too. In my house. I did text you both, and that was my night. <laughs> so we, after those Google searches, I can't even begin to imagine what ads I'm going to be mm. served. But we had to have people come and disinfect, and there were towels. How's it smelling? It's okay now, um, but it was pretty bad. And um, then also, we had no running water for, uh, you know, about almost 24 hours in a house at all. You couldn't flush a toilet, use a shower, brush your teeth in a sink. What did you do? It was great. There was one outside uh, little sink that worked. Some, you know, uh, some things happened. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't easy. I love the idea. It was my worst. So beat that, you two. Look, both my best and worst this week were related to parenting and so, you know, Parents will relate. People who are not parents will go, Thank, I'm not a parent. <laughs> uh, my best was my daughter turned 11. Now, this is an interesting milestone birthday, I think, because like one to 10, your kids are little kids. Yeah. You know, and then now it's like 11 upwards, not little kids anymore. Mm. And I, at the moment, moods aside, I'm loving seeing my daughter turn into a tween yeah and we decided to give her for her birthday keys to the house which made me laugh because I remembered that when I was a kid 21 was when you were supposed to yeah. get keys to the door 21 keys oh, to is the that door. the key thing yeah, yeah 21. but I gave but things have changed 10 years <laughs> 10 years have come down I gave her keys to the house to sort of symbolize the independence that she's slowly getting, you know, like she's very excited that she's gonna, she's allowed to go some places by herself now, that she can walk home with a friend and she's got keys to the house and we got her these cool neon ones and she was just, she's just, it's like you can see in her eyes just all this excitement about what's ahead mm-hmm. as well as a little bit of trepidation. So that was a really good day. That was Wednesday. That was a really good day. This morning, Friday morning, I found myself in our front room screaming at my children in a voice that neither of you would have ever heard me use. Like just, I never shout really. And one of the things about, I don't shout in at my partner. I don't shout certainly in the workplace. <laughs> I've had bosses who have yelled at me in the past, but I never have yelled. I was screaming at my children this morning. I'm sure the neighbours are about to call services because my kids are back to school this week. My little boy in particular struggles with periods of transition and 
everybody has forgotten how to behave in the morning to get yeah. themselves together yeah. or whatever. And so people weren't eating their toast and I was trying to get my makeup on and I was trying to Brent was trying to pack the lunches and then Matilda put a song on that Billy hated and then they were having a fight and I found myself just standing in there going, I hate this <laughs> like at the top of my yeah. voice. I hate this so much <laughs> and of course we promised, we all made promises after there were tears, there was drama, there was like, you're a horrible parent, you're mean to me. We made promises that next week we're going to reset mornings, yeah. like we're going to have a new plan. Things are going to be calm. It's probably a good idea. So that was my was entire childhood. Like <laughs> I, we have this memory that we bring up all the time, which is mum yelling because we would make her late to work every day because she had to drop us at the train. So we'd make her up late to work every day and we'd be falling out of the car with like one shoe and no backpack. And we were falling out of the car and mum was yelling as she drove off. That was her go-to. Like, I hate you. Not I hate you, but that's essentially what she was saying. And we were trying to yell back. We, did, we didn't close the boot. The boot was wide open and we were trying to say, the, the boot, the boot. And so she's yelling with the boot open. That was honestly 20 years of my mother's life. It was so bad. So you don't think I am going to reset on Monday? No, I don't saying? think so. And mum never promised to. Like she was like, this is who I am. You're my children. Deal with it. Damn it. You're, tell us your best and worst. Jessica. So my best is just my puppy. I love her so much. Her name is Chili. I can't remember how much I've talked about her on this podcast. Definitely not enough. (laughs) She has six toes, maybe seven on each foot. She's a rescue. She has brought so much joy to my life. Like I wake up and I'm just like, where is she? And she's just smiling next to the bed. At night, she just gets a little bit of zoomies. She's the only puppy I've ever met who somersaults like a gymnast so whenever I put my like Pilates mat out she's like it's a somersaulting mat and she just somersaults (laughs) on it I've tried to do Pilates at home and she thinks my toes are a toy so she like tries to bite them as I'm like I understand that like go for it so we're a little family just love her unconditionally the worst where's she from she is from Sydney Dogs and Cats Home she is a rescue how we got a three-month-old rescue and I just look at her and I'm like who would abandon this perfect puppy? Like she's just perfection. The worst was, I can't remember, maybe it was Wednesday. And I feel as though every worst we have has to do with dog's anuses. Like every week there's (laughs) a new dog anus story. Just in your life or in all of In your life too. I mean, Holly I'm sure has them. The glands, yeah. The anal gland issues. So Chili had anal gland issues, had to take her to the vet and we get to the vet and she was just so excited because she was like, new people. (laughs) She loves everyone. She loves everyone. She was like jumping on the nurses, like, pat me, treat. (laughs) And so she was loving it and I just watched her go into the back room and I was like, oh. Bad things were happening. Bad things happen in the back room. And then she came out with this look in her eye like mum what was that and it was so bad her oh, anal glands baby. were so bad that she needed to get an injection a steroid injection into her bum hole oh, and she was so that's a, that's sad a worst. about it she was just really shitty about that's it Chili's worst poor I was chili. like poor Chili that's just not fun and no. I just feel like we bonded mother daughter because I was like I've been to the doctor before and had a pap smear I feel like it's similar like we know what it's like yeah. to be Probed. Probed. Okay. probed. I'm, I'm closing it down. <laughs> closing it down now. The anal gland talk. It's very, <laughs> this, this is a very lucky dog. Uh, before we go, please jump into the Mum Mirror Out Loudest Facebook group, by the way, and give us your best and worst of the week. We would love to hear and share. See if you can beat Mia's and Jessie's. I'm sure you can beat mine. 
Jesse, before we go, it's your turn to recommend and you have a book. I can't believe it's taken me so long to get this in. Finally, Honeybee by Craig Sylvie. I love recommending books and I love following other people who recommend books. One of the best recommenders is Sally Hepworth. Yeah. I follow her mm-hmm. and she doesn't lie. The last book she recommended that she got me onto was Where the Crawdads Sing, one of the best books ever written. And then she was like, this might be my new favourite book, Honeybee. And I was like, interesting, I wouldn't have necessarily picked that up. Picked it up. Holy crap. It is outstanding. It's coming of age and it is about, it starts with a young boy about 14 who is standing on the edge of a bridge, basically considering taking his own life. Starts there and it is about what happens next. Someone saves him and how it all unfolds. And it's just outstanding. It just shows how much more difficult that coming of age is when sexuality is at play, mm. when, you know, gender. Is it Australian? Yes, it's yes. Australian. It's by the guy at Jasper Jones. Yes. So that was a massive hit. That was his first book. He was a bit of a, like, wunderkind and he lives in Perth and it's taken him, no, I don't mean it's taken him, like, in a bad way, but, like, this book has been anticipated for, I think, like, nearly 10 years because he's... He's been doing screenplays and other things. Yeah, he's done a lot of that. And it's quite similar. And by similar, I just mean in terms of tone, Boy Swallows Universe. This Mm -hmm. is the same kind of just because a young boy coming of age, so beautifully written. I cried multiple times in it. Just brilliant. Honeybee. That is all we have time for on Mamma Mia Out Loud today and this week. We'll be back in your ears on Monday. This episode produced by Emma Gillespie. The executive producer of Mamma Mia Out Loud is Eliza Ratliff. And we will see you on Mamma Mia. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.